what's happening over in Thailand, and I uh, hope you've been praying for our missionaries because they're also facing pretty much what we're facing as well. So pray for them. Uh, as we read John chapter 8, so if you have your Bibles, you can grab John chapter 8. Uh, if you're already there, good work. You can stay there. Um, but I do thank Pastor Lloyd for the opportunity to speak tonight and it's a privilege to open the Word of God. And so I'm just going to pray before we get stuck into what we're going to look at tonight and ask the Lord to help us a little bit. And then we'll have a look at some things here this evening. So if you just bow your heads if you want at home, then uh, we're going to pray and get stuck into this. All right. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we do thank you uh, for this day that you've given us. Thank you, Lord, that you do all things well. Thank you, Father, for our church. Thank you for all that we've been able to do thus far and uh, for just building your church and building the body here, Lord God, and for everything we've been able to do in your name. And uh, we, Father, we thank you for even just being able to have this online service. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to work in our hearts, help us as we seek to please you with our lives, Lord God. And I just do pray that you would help me to be clear in all that I say this evening and uh, that you, your people would be helped as they hear this, Lord God. So, Father, we do thank you, we love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I, I wonder if you've ever watched a movie. I'm sure you've watched a movie. But I wonder if you've ever watched a movie and they have one of those driving scenes where there's two people in the car and you can see the, you know, the very fake background behind them in the back windscreen. And the person's driving, and I don't know if you can hear that, but there's a bit of crackling going on here. So excuse me if I get a little bit distracted. But in the movie, the person's driving and they've got the fake background in the back. They're going on the highway, whatever they're doing. They're having a conversation with the person next to them. And the steering wheel stays exactly in the same spot the whole time, whether they're looking at the road or looking at their per the person next to them. And this could be going on for five minutes and this steering wheel stays exactly in the same spot. And you know, if you're like me and you like to pick out faults in movies, you're like, ah, oh, that's just not even real. That's just stupid, it's fake and it gets annoying. And you know why that is? It's because we know in life, you need to have those little corrections every now and then. So if you've just got your license, like Tim Haycock, congratulations, got his license uh, just this week. Um, he knows as well that you always have to have little minor corrections while you're driving on the road, even if it's just a straight road. And so I thought about that and I thought, you know, sometimes that's what our Christian life is like. We just need some minor corrections across the way. Every week, maybe even every day. We need a little bit of a correction in an area of our life. And so I wanted to look at that tonight and just see how God does that, how we approach it a little bit, and uh, maybe how we can approach it in a better way if we're, if we're looking at it in, an, in, a, in a wrong kind of way. So in the life of a Christian, those little minor corrections are just as necessary as they are on the road. Because if you've ever been driving, you'll know that if you don't make those minor corrections, you can end up in the side of the, on the side of the road. You can end up in the ditch on one side, or on the other side of the road where you're not supposed to be, which is just as dangerous. Uh, but in the Christian life, maybe it's heading in the road, on the road to a bad decision. Maybe you're heading off, you're veering off into a bad decision, or you know, if you're a young person, maybe you find yourself veering off a little bit to bad attitudes, uh, a bad outlook on, on things, or even a bad outlook to who you are, who, God's, who God says you are. And I think as a Christian, we always have these little minor corrections that need to be made. Otherwise, we do find ourselves in the ditch. And that's a, that's a very bad place to find ourselves. Uh, it's not the end of the world, but obviously, if we can avoid it, we want to avoid it. 
And so God being merciful, God being gracious, will give us those minor corrections every now and then. Uh, he will tell us, you know, if, if we're doing something that's, that's going to be causing some harm, causing some hurt, whether to ourselves or to someone else, he's gracious enough to, to give us a little correction because he loves us. And he'll let us know that that needs to be done. And we often use, when that happens, we often use the word convict. He'll convict us of something or he'll challenge us on something. Um, and that comes about through various different avenues. I guess, you know, one of the main ones we find in church is through the preaching of the word of God. So the preacher might get up and, and preach a passage about what God says about a matter and that will convict our hearts and we'll say, oh, I need to make a correction in that area of my life. Uh, perhaps it's even just through your own personal Bible reading. Maybe a Bible study that you're doing yourself, maybe a devotion in the morning, or even if you do a family devotion, maybe something jumps out when you read the Bible and the Holy Spirit says, oh, you need to, you need to correct something there. Uh, like I said, if, if it's a bad attitude or, or a wrong decision or something like that, maybe there's a scripture that jumps out and just challenges you a little bit and convicts you on that. That can happen. Uh, and even just the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living within you and uh, he will often reveal some things to you and, and bring some things to your remembrance that, hey, hang on a minute, just remember that you're supposed to be doing this as a Christian and just challenge you or convict you in an area. Now, these are not always comfortable. They're not always easy. Um, but I will, tell, I will say this, that they are 100% necessary. Just as necessary as when you're driving along the road and you need to make those minor adjustments, that's necessary to keep you safe, to keep your family safe, to keep the people around you safe. They are necessary. And I just want to, I guess, reiterate tonight that these minor adjustments, though uncomfortable, are absolutely necessary. But I want to also look at how we approach them because being convicted about something is good, but if we handle it the wrong way, we can also find ourselves ending up in the ditch on the side of the road. So I'll share with that, share that with you in a little bit. In a little bit, sometimes having the conviction of the Lord, uh, we can take it the wrong way. And whether it's a, a sin in our life, whether it's an improvement that needs to be made, uh, we take it and we can drive ourselves into the ditch. Not necessarily on purpose, but we can end up finding ourselves on the side of the road in a ditch. And you might say, "How's that possible? How does that happen?" Well, I'll give you an example. So I, as a, as a very good father. I uh, taught my, my daughter, Reese to play the Xbox and uh, to, to, to ta taught her how to play one of the car driving games. So, you know, it's called Need for Speed, so you've got to go really fast and you've got to be able to control your car really well. So I was like just getting her ready for when she's going to get a license one day. So I'm teaching her how to, how to play this game and I find that, you know, I, I'm used to the game, so I know how to operate the controls and how to steer the car correctly. Uh, but she, she hasn't played it as much as I have. So I'm showing her and she's playing it. And so she comes up to a corner and she like, you know, moves that joystick all the way to the right hand side and ends up crashing into a building. I'm like, no, 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 you can't, you can't just go all the way over. You can't just like reef it all the way over. You just got to make a little minor correction. And so I'm teaching her this, but at the same time, she's just, what she sees, oh, I need to turn, turn right a little bit. I turn it all the way to the right, end up in, the, in, in this side, and then it comes up, there's a left-hand turn, same thing, all the way this way. So she's, she's, and we ended up having a joke in our house that, yeah, she's a really good crasher, not necessarily a good driver. Uh, but that's what we sometimes do as a Christian. God might challenge us on something. He might convict us on something through the ways that he does that. And we take that and we run with it way too far. We take it to the extreme. 
God says that, you know, okay, you might uh, have an argument with someone in your family. And so, like, for me, I, you know, I don't, I'm not super Christian all the time, so sometimes I might speak rude to my wife, and that's wrong. And so afterwards, God will convict me, the Holy Spirit will challenge me on that and say, that's not how you ought to treat your wife, that's not how you ought to treat her or, or talk to her, that's not showing love to her. So that's God caring for me enough to challenge and convict me. But I can take that conviction and I can say, oh man, yeah, you're right, God. I'm, I'm a terrible husband. And so what I've done is I've taken that little correction that he's, he's kind of, you know, prodded me with and I've taken it all the way to the extreme. Like, oh, I'm just no good. I'm not a good husband. I, I never say anything right. And, you know, like down on myself all the time. And so that can be unhealthy if we end up doing stuff like that. Now, I don't know if, that, if you've ever found yourself in that situation, but I'd say most of us have, or at least we know somebody that is prone to doing this. And, and God is not like that. God is not convicting us or challenging us on things so we do end up in the side of the ditch and do end up thinking that we're the worst person or the worst Christian in the world. He doesn't do that. It's the opposite. He's, he's trying to keep us where he wants us in the best place, the most healthy place for us and for our families, for our ministries. So I guess tonight I'm just talking about making sure that we're looking at this conviction in the right way and approaching it in the right way. So if we, we turn something we're convicted into something we're condemning ourselves for, that's not healthy. Now condemn in the, in the Bible often is translated or the word means to be judged worthy of punishment. And really, Satan loves nothing more than when a Christian condemns themselves. I mean, he hates God, he hates you, and he, he loves it when you think that God hates you. He loves it when you think that God is completely upset with you and wants to just get rid of you and thinks that you're no good. He loves it when you and I think that. So when we're condemning ourselves or self-condemning in this way, Satan's just sitting back going, hey, I don't even have to do anything. They're already destroying their own selves and their own relationship with the Lord and their relationships with people around you. So what can end up happening is you feed or he feeds or you know, even your own mind, your own heart feeds subtle lies to you and then you start believing them. And so you know, we, can take, we can take even verses that are good verses and verses that teach us a lot of doctrine about God and about ourselves Verses like, you know, there's none good but God. And we can, we can turn that into something negative like, oh, I'm just, I'm just no good. You know, I'm a, I'm a terrible person. I'm not even worth being a Christian. And it might, sa- it might sound like I'm exaggerating with that, but I've found myself in that place. And so we can start believing those lies. And they're subtle things, but we can start believing them. You know, there's verses like, in, in me there is no good thing. That's not talking about the fact that, you know, you're worthless and useless to the Lord. It's saying that we need the Lord. We need his righteousness. We're nothing without him. That's what it's talking about. It's not saying that we can never be anything. So we've got to be careful that we're not looking at these things the wrong way. 1 John 3 verse 20 says that our heart can condemn us. So we've got to be careful about that. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So, I mean, even if we take out Satan's influence, we can even, our own heart can be deceitful and can be condemning us. 
So God's, God's on this path of, you know, trying to get us to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. He's using the preaching. He's using his word. He's using the Holy Spirit, perhaps other people in our lives, you know, make little corrections and convict us on some things that we need to get right. And we can be, like I said, veering off and like, oh, yeah, I need to make a change. So I'm going to go completely the opposite way. And we end up seeing that that's actually just as harmful or even more harmful than if we never did anything in the first place. So we've got to be careful about that. And self-condemnation causes the believer to think differently about how God sees us. So we get, a, we get an incorrect perspective of God. We get an incorrect perspective of ourselves and of who he is and how he sees us. Because in self-condemnation, we're thinking or, or seeing that, oh, God is just this God who is just like attacking me all the time every time I do something wrong. So I better make sure I, I get it right because I don't want to get in trouble. And he's not that way. He's a loving God. And like I said, he's a merciful God. The fact that he even tells us or you know, challenges us on some things, that shows that he's a merciful God. If we beat ourselves up, it says something about who we think God is and how he sees us. So you're in John 8, and we'll have a look at here. Um, thank Jewel for reading that story about the woman caught in adultery. But I wanted to see how Jesus handled this, uh, this lady here that was brought before him. Um, the scribes and the Pharisees brought her to Jesus. Uh, they found her in the act, and, and they wanted to stone her, and everyone's you know, making up, kicking up a big fuss about it, and, and they wanted to see what Jesus thought on all of this. So I'm just going to read a couple of these verses, not all of them, just from verse 7. And it says here, So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Verse 9, And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. You know, often when I read this story or I hear it being preached uh, or it just comes to my attention, I always think about what are those people, the scribes and the Pharisees and, and probably even just some general folk around, what are they feeling and thinking when they, that, you know, this lady's in the middle and Jesus is there? How are they feeling and thinking? And, you know, there's the verse there that says that they're convicted by their own conscience. But I haven't always thought about how would that lady herself be feeling? How would she be, not just, oh, it's humiliating and, and you know, why is this happening and all that kind of, but how would she be feeling within herself? How would she be feeling that Jesus was thinking about her? What would she be thinking that God himself was thinking about her? Did she think much about it at all? I don't know. But if you put yourself in that situation, I think sometimes we can be, we can be feeling like that. Like there's, there's all these influences, all these people around us, and you know, even God himself is looking at our lives and our decision-making, our attitudes, all these sorts of things, and we can feel like this pressure that, oh, I need to get some things right in my life. And I wonder how we think God sees all of that. I wonder how he looks at us and I wonder how he approaches that. And I think this is a really good example of how Jesus does look at that and how he does approach you and I when we're in that situation. 
Now, we might not find ourselves in, in, in the sin that she found herself in, but I think the principle is the same, how, how God looks at us when we, are, we do need a correction in our life. And, you know, he didn't kick her while she was down. He didn't make her feel any worse about herself than perhaps she thought about herself or those other people around her thought about her. He didn't make her feel, you know, disgusting and not worthy or anything like that. You know, she may have felt those things, but they certainly weren't coming from God himself. They weren't coming from Jesus. Now, John 3, verse 17, you don't have to look there, but he, Jesus says this, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus didn't come to condemn us. Jesus came to save us. You know, he, he's not the one who's sitting there just looking to pick out fault in our life. He's the one that's looking to pick us up when we are in a fault. You know, he said to her, go and sin no more. And, and I'll put to you tonight that there was a conviction here, like as a Christian, when we're on the wrong path or heading towards a bad decision, there's a conviction that he gives. And Jesus here, there's a conviction here that he gives to her. He says, go and sin no more. So he's calling out, he's calling the truth out that yes, she was in sin. So he's not winking at that. So he is giving conviction, he's calling sin, sin, but he doesn't stop there, he gives her hope. He's saying, he's, he's saying this is not the end, like you can go, there is life after this, there is hope after this, there is, there is more that you can be doing with your life, you can get things back on track. He's saying go, there was a conviction, but he said to go, he gave her hope. And I want you to notice, if you look just... I know it's not part of the same story here, but verse 12, just after this, straight after this story, verse 12, this is what Jesus said, then, Jesus, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. So imagine it, this whole scene has happened, like this lady's been brought before him, and they want to see what he does, and you know, everyone is then convicted and challenged by their conscience, and then it's just him and this woman, and he's down on her level, and he understands her, and yes, there's a conviction there, but there's also hope that you can continue on from here. And then he goes on in his ministry and he says, I am the light of the world. Now imagine if he had condemned her and he had made her feel really bad about herself, like maybe she was feeling, and you know, kicking her while she's down, and then turns around and goes, I'm the light of the world. It seems a little bit contradictory, but he, he's not like that. He's been consistent with who he is. He's the one that does give hope. He's the one that is intimate when we need a little bit of a change in our life. Now, he doesn't call us out amongst everyone and say, this wicked person right here needs some change in their life. He doesn't do that. That's not how God speaks. That's not how the Holy Spirit speaks. So he shows her some hope. And God is looking to restore us to him through his conviction, not through condemnation. That's his heart. His whole heart in all of this is restoration. You know, you would only tell someone that you love that they need a little bit of an adjustment in their life because of your love for them. If you don't care about them, then, then what, you, would, you probably wouldn't bother. But Jesus cares about our life, cares about our life for him, cares about our influence and our testimony and all these sorts of things, cares about the glory that he should be able to receive, all these things. So he does that out of his love for us. He wants to restore us. The thing about self-condemnation is you overcorrect and you think that you're the worst person in the world because God challenged you or convicted you on something. 
you, you get into that ditch and you kind of stay in that ditch and there's negativity in that ditch. There's not a lot of hope in that ditch and it's always an extreme. But we need to make sure we're working in truth. How does God speak? How does, how does he look at these things? What does he expect of us when, when we do need correction? And you think about correcting a child. Now, I know that we're not all parents here. We don't all have children that we need to correct every now and then. But how destructive if I, if I correct or discipline my child by telling them that they're no good in that thing or they just need to clean their act up and, you know, there's no hope for you because uh, you got that wrong once or twice or something like that. How destructive is that? But God doesn't speak like that. So if you find yourself hearing those voices or hearing that, you know, you're no good and, you know, you're hearing that from yourself, you're like, is this God saying this or where's this coming from? I can guarantee you it's not God telling you that. It can be other people in your life telling you that. It can be your own heart deceiving you and, and trying to get you to, to believe these lies. But God never is going to speak to you about yourself like that. That's not how he speaks to us. God's not condemning us. Sometimes we can do that ourselves. So you might find yourself thinking like this time to time. Like I said, if I'm honest, I have. And I guess tonight I just want to say, if you find yourself like that, how do you, how do you keep from overcorrecting into the ditch? How do you keep from taking conviction and turning it into condemnation? Well, we're not going to turn there just for time's sake, and it's a fairly familiar uh, psalm, but Psalm 51, if you think about it, David was pouring his heart out to God in Psalm 51. And this was after being convicted of his sin with Bathsheba. But the thing is, Nathan the prophet was used to show David that there was an adjustment needed in his life. And David, being a man after God's own heart, he, he didn't condemn himself. He understood who God was and what God was doing in that. So like I said before, God can convict us through his word, through the preaching, through your own Bible study. He can use other people in your life. And this is what happened with David. And he, he understood how God worked. He took the conviction as an invitation to restore fellowship with God. So that takes an understanding of how God speaks takes an understanding of what God wants with his relationship with us. And David was very well acquainted with that. So he, he took that as an invitation to restore fellowship between himself and God. And Psalm 51, just the first verse in that, I'll just read that. He's, this is David crying out. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. And David wouldn't cry that out to God if he didn't know that God was a merciful God or if he didn't know that God was a God that had loving kindness, tender mercies, that he was able to forgive and able to restore. And like that, that psalm goes on in talking about restoring the joy of his salvation. So David wouldn't have done that if he wasn't well acquainted with how God saw him when he was needing correction. So it's just a reminder really for ourselves that we need to remember who God is when we find ourselves getting down on ourselves, when we find ourselves a little overcorrecting and, and thinking that we're the worst person in the world, we need to remind ourselves of who God is. He's merciful. Understanding that God is merciful can keep us from condemning ourselves because knowing God is merciful helps you to see yourself in the right light before him. 
And reminding yourself of God's character helps understand how he sees you. David knew how God saw his sin, so that kept him from condemning himself and, and got him on the right path. And he took that, that minor adjustment. That, it might have been a little bit more than a minor adjustment, but he took it and he took it correctly. He handled it correctly. And, you know, something that I've found that's helped me is reading through how Jesus handled the people that were brought to him, how, how Jesus interacted with people how he saw people and treated people. And if you just read through the Gospels, you see how Jesus responded to things and you see what he expects of people and what he doesn't expect of people. And if I'm honest tonight, I'd say that a lot of my self-condemnation can come from this false expectation of what I think God has on me, what he expects of me as a Christian, as a, as a husband, a father, you know, a friend, whatever. And so... Even just reading through and seeing how Jesus talked to people, what he expects of people, is actually a real help in making sure that we're not overcorrecting ourselves or putting false expectations on ourselves. You know, the Holy Spirit can also help us with this greatly. It's, it's, it's part of his main ministry. John 16, 13 says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. And it goes on to say that he, the Holy Spirit is only going to speak what Jesus and God the Father have spoken. So if you're feeling, oh, I'm the worst person in the world and, and you're down on yourself and you've got these thoughts coming into your head or into your heart or whatever, and you can't find that God says that anywhere in the Bible, then you know that it's not coming from God. And the Holy Spirit is never going to contradict what Jesus and what God the Father have said as well. He's just as much God as, as Jesus and God the Father. So he's only going to challenge you, convict you on the things that Jesus or God the Father would, and he's only going to see you the same way as Jesus or God the Father would. So make sure that if you're, if you're seeing these things, negative things about yourself, if you can't see that God thinks that of you or sees that of you in the, in the Bible, then it's probably not coming from him. It's probably coming from outside sources, our own heart, like we said, that it can deceive us. The Holy Spirit guides the believer into all truth. He convicts of sin, but he doesn't contradict any truth. He doesn't ever tell the believer that they're worthless or useless. God never does that. He's just as much God. And if someone said to me when I was going through a bit of a self-condemnation phase not too long ago, if God took you out for a walk, you know, just one day in the afternoon, just... You know, if, if he was like visible to us, if he just took you out for a walk and, and wanted to have a chat with you about the things in your life, the things that probably needed correcting and, and adjusting, this person asked me, like, what do you think he would say to you? How do you think he would approach you? What do you think he would expect of you? And, you know, I thought about that and, you know, in, in my state at that time, I was like thinking, well, he would tell me that this was wrong and this needs to be cleaned up in my life and, and all these sorts of things. And it was all very negative. But then when you actually look at how God actually handles sin and conviction and, and correction in a Christian's life, it's not all fire and brimstone. It's like it, it's often how he handled the woman caught in adultery. It's intimate. It's personal. And it's a still small voice and, and it's helpful and, and it's not condemning. It's loving. It, it, it's from the basis of his love for us and it's with the heart of restoration of relationship. So if God did take me out for a walk 
and talk to me about the things that need changing in my life, it would be much like how he treated that, that lady caught in adultery. Intimate, truthful, and he'd give hope. Hope that, you know, things can be changed and things can be better and there is a purpose and a path and, and all these sorts of things. So I know I, I, probably, I feel a little bit unclear tonight in, in explaining that, but I guess at the end of the day, my heart is to remind us that, that God never kicks you while you're down. He never comes with a condemning attitude towards the Christian. He comes with restoration in mind. He comes intimately, he comes truthfully, and he comes giving hope. So if you find yourself condemning yourself or in a, in, in a condemnation, make sure you're looking at what Jesus actually says, what God says, what the Holy Spirit says, and, and match that up against what you're hearing and what you're feeling. And then repeat back to God what he thinks of you, that you are valuable that he did come to die for you, that he, he's not just standing there challenging you for no reason, but he wants restoration. He wants a, a stronger relationship with us. So I hope that's a bit of a help tonight. I know it has been a help to me, um, just seeing how God, God works with us. And, and I'm thankful that he does work with us that way. I'm thankful that he is merciful, that as, as David said in his psalm, that he has much love and kindness and that his mercies are new. So I appreciate that. I love the Lord and I thank him for those things. So I pray that that would just help you a little bit as you, if, you, if you come into that yourself. All right, I might just have a word of prayer and then uh, hand it back over to Pastor Lloyd. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we do thank you once again for this evening. Thank you for your goodness and for your loving kindness, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you do restore us. You give us hope. Uh, thank you, Father, that you do challenge us and convict us where we need challenging convicting. I thank you that you have the way to get through these things, Lord, and I do pray that you would help us uh, if we do find ourselves uh, self-condemning, help us to, to see what the truth really is about how you see us, how you love us, how you want to use us and what you expect of us, Lord God. I thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for this time and your word. Thank you for this evening. And we do ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.